Welcome to Still Becoming, a podcast about how it's never too late to become more free, more yourself, or try something new. I'm Monica DiCristina, a wife, mother, and practicing psychotherapist. Through my own struggles with my anxiety years ago that led to my professional work as a therapist now, I am fascinated by the process of how we become who we are. We will explore the topics of becoming, of unbecoming, and overcoming through interviews, unpacking mental health topics, and stories. You are not designed to stay the same. Your story is still being written. We are all still becoming. I'm so excited and so honored to have Shay Bearfield on the Still Becoming podcast today. Shay is the creator of The Shay Show, where she brings together and curates incredibly connecting conversations. In this episode, we talk about finding out why it is you're here on this earth. But not only finding that, as Shay describes it, creating that, that maybe what it is you're here to do has never been done before. Shay shares with her vulnerability and her powerful wisdom and insights some of her own story. And I suspect that you, just like me, will leave this conversation feeling more courageous, all lit up, and a little bit more ready to go out and find what it is that you're here to do. I can't wait for you to hear from Shay. Well, thank you so much, Shay, for coming on the show. And I'm so glad that we got to do this. And I just love connecting with you. It's been one of my favorite things about entering the um, internet world is meeting new friends. And I just have loved every time that we get to connect. And I love hearing from you. And I love watching everything you're doing. And um, so thanks for coming on. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, yes. Um, well, first of all, Monica, thank you so much for having me on this show. Um, I feel very honored. I, I've seen the litany of people that you've had on your show, and they are a heft, a hefty group. They are people who carry depth, profundity. They have a lot of reach. And I, I feel humbled and honored that I could even be considered a part of them. Like, I'm like, why does she want to talk with me? <laughs> yeah, I've wanted to talk to you for so long. So I'm just so grateful that you're here. Thank you. So a little bit about me. Let's see. Um, from Freeport, Bahamas, raised there, attended boarding schools in the United States and in Europe, went to law school. I don't practice law. Ultimately, what I am doing is what I've always wanted to do and always felt I was supposed to do. And that is to curate meaningful conversations with people around the world about various topics, things that are important to them, things, therefore, that are important to other people, things that bind us together and illuminate new thinking modalities in our brain and in our spirits, you know, things that bring us together. And, and, and I say this because what I'm telling you about me, I'm aware that there is no short answer for that. I'm aware too, that what I felt calling me, there was no prescribed line or place to go to become the thing. Um, What I am becoming, I have to create it. And it is meant for me to create. 
wow, I just got chills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you seem like you are able to move really bravely into that becoming and that creating it. But I feel like a lot of people really struggle with that, you know, and have you struggled with that before and you're not now, or is it a struggle? You know, tell me about that process. Yeah. So I love that you asked that question. I love how you phrased it. You know, a lot of people struggle and have you struggled? Well, here's the thing. And I love that you said, and it seems like you are occupying the space with great bravery. What I'm learning is Bravery looks different than bravery feels. So it looks to you like bravery and it looks to you like I am out there and I am just, I'm knocking on doors and I'm having these conversations and I'm doing exactly what I feel like I was born straight, straight up. The reason why my parents had to have sex and have me, I feel like this is what I'm doing here. And what I know is that just this morning on my three mile run, I was talking to God and my mother and telling them (laughs) that I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels and I am not making any traction and I'm not doing anything that I feel like I was called to do. And then when I end my run, I sit down, as is my, my practice, I take a photo of myself and I typically write something that came to me or a thought that I had during my run and I pick up and reach out to another person to have a conversation with. And I guess why I'm saying that is bravery on the outside. I'm aware now because I'm hearing enough people comment on me and how they see me. On the outside, I might look extremely successful, together. These are the things I hear, elegant, put together, beautiful, all of these things that sound phenomenal. And I am those things as well as someone who's scared shitless and feels like she is spinning her wheels many times. But the thing about it is I just don't stop because I can't because the pain of stopping outweighs the pain of the rejection or outweighs the pain of it not being what I want it to be and what I feel like I was called to be today. Wow. Wow. You've got me um, choked up. It's true. That is, it is, that is a powerful word that the pain of stopping outweighs the pain of rejection or the pain of it not going well. I'm telling you, it does. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I had to stop, I can't. It's not even if I had to, I can't. Mm -hmm. I either am doing exactly what you see me doing or I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And would you say to someone listening who is trying to get the courage that they see you having, even though it's even though it looks different than it feels, would you say to them to to listen to that thing that they need to birth, to listen to that thing that they can't not do? Yeah. And I would say that your life, your life is about finding out what that thing is, because, uh, you know, I just posted this this morning on my Instagram, but this is a quote that came to me in like my darkest day, like truly. And where I was just feeling, I think about 15 years ago, I was feeling a lot of the things I was feeling this morning on my run. And I was feeling like my voice didn't matter. I wasn't making a difference. 
who am I to think that I can speak into the void of that which is the world and beyond and to compel it to listen and to change and to engage and to love? Who am I? And 15 years ago, this came to me and it is, if you are alive, two things are irrefutable. There is room for you to be who you are and there's a need for you to be who you are. Room and need. There's room for Shay and there's a need for Shay. Whoever you are out there listening to this, there's room for you and there's a need for you. Those two things are critical for you to know. And if you know that, then you're about the business of finding out what you are here for. Because what you're here for, there's room and need, and we need you to bring what you came to bring. And if you don't, we miss out. We miss out. And I truly believe that. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Wow. It is a powerful word. And I know that people listening will be um, relieved to hear that and will have chills like I do again. That is such a powerful word. Was there a turning point for you or were there moments in your life where you started using your voice where, you know, you said, you know what, this is a marker in time or markers in time? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I am now old enough that now I can look back at the catalog of years behind me and see that what I have been doing strongly and forcefully in this last year, I've been doing all my life. Wow. You know, I look back, I remember being at boarding school in Rome, Italy, and we went on this retreat. And it was like this contemplate, I went to a Roman Catholic boarding school and it was this contemplative retreat with the nuns and, and everybody was supposed to have these letters parents were supposed to send these letters preemptively. So then when you were there in this very kind of reflective space, you would read these words from your parents, but my family was never together. So everybody had letters except for me. And I was profoundly, even though I already expected that I would not have a letter, I still was profoundly hurt and felt really alone in that. And I graduated high school young. So I am 14 I think I'm in 10th or 11th grade. I'm 14 or 15. And when we stepped out of the uh, vestibule and we were like out somewhere just kind of talking, but we were not far from it, but just, I started speaking from this pain point and all of the things that I felt like unseen, wishing my family were perfect and right like everybody else's and, and speaking to this. And before I knew it, and I think my eyes were closed and maybe I was crying, I had this group of people standing around me. And I remember this girl named Dudina. She probably doesn't even remember. Her name was Dudina. We called her dudes. Dudina, she looked at, and I said, why are you looking at me like that? And she goes, the words you use and how you bring them together, they just touch me. And I just remember thinking, In that moment, as painful as that moment was, it felt so intrinsically right. Yeah. Like I was doing what I was born to do. So for me, I guess in answering your question in the most long, circuitous route ever, yes, there were many moments where I was 
doing exactly what I'm doing and exactly what I was born to do. But the question is, when did I give it honor and validity to actually say, this is what it's called and this is what I'm going after? I started doing that 10 years ago, 10 years in 2010, when I started saying the Shea Show. And then I felt embarrassed because I started saying the Shea Show. Yeah, the Shea Show. I have the show. I have. And I remember saying it with great boldness uh, on the park with my daughter. And she was like a little, you know, three years old and she's playing. And I was like, yeah, yes, I have the Shea Show and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, and I curate meaningful conversations and blah, 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 blah. And the lady was like, well, where do you do that? I was like, well, you know, I, I have my camera, I find people and she kept it and she goes, oh, so you're, you're trying to do this show. Like, this is not like a real show. Like you're, yeah, you're trying to, and I did not want that to hurt me, but it hurt me. I didn't want it to deflate me, but it deflated me. I didn't want it to take air out of or wind out of my sails, but it did. And I saw myself diminishing my voice and and talking about the Shea Show because I was embarrassed that it didn't turn out like I wanted it to be. And I supposed it should have been. And it wasn't anything real because when you are pursuing that thing that you are born for, this, look, I might feel differently about this 50 years from now when I'm a very old woman, if I'm still here. But I think 99% of us who are truly in alignment with what we are on this planet for, it's, it doesn't exist. We have to create it. You can't find it on Indeed. You can't get the hookup on LinkedIn. What you are called to do you and God alone must build it. Wow. And that's what I'm doing. You are doing that. Wow. There are times when I feel like I'm playing in sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I cannot not do it. Right. And I think you tell me if you disagree, anyone creating something has moments where they feel like they're playing in sand. 100% because... And I know why I'm feeling it. It's because it doesn't exist. I'm building something. So what I'm wanting, and I'm giving myself this grace, what I'm wanting is the framed up, you know, beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright building. That's what I'm wanting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want someone to meet me at the door, open the door, welcome in Shay, have a seat. Would you like a cup of Earl Grey? I want this. But the problem is, or the quandary that I find myself in, is that that longing and waiting for that, years ago, I had to read this book called Waiting for Godot. And Godot is this friend that they keep talking about. And I believe it's a Samuel Beckett play. And the whole book, they're like, oh yeah, and then Godot, and and Godot never comes. Oh, Godot never shows up. But the point is, when when you're pursuing what you are on this planet for, you must build it. And it will feel often like you're waiting for Godot. You're talking about it. 
You're you're making room for Godot, making sure yeah. we got lunch for Godot. Does, <laughs> right. Is Godot's bed made? Do it, right. and it feels like this brother is never showing up. And you will feel that with your dreams because I know that's where I'm at right now. But I do know that where I'm at right now won't last. I do know that. I have enough years behind me to know that it won't last. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel the waiting for Godot. I do. And it sometimes makes me feel embarrassed. And like, you talk this big talk and look at you. What are you doing? No one knows you. You want to have these meaningful conversations on a world platform. And that's truly what I feel called to do. I don't even feel called to have these conversations just like between me and you. I feel called to reach millions upon millions of people. What a flipping big thing that I feel. And I long for it. And it's not that I long to be known. I just long for this type of platform, this type of reach, this type of impact. It's what I feel I was born to do. And I believe that when you are doing that, you will feel like you are building sandcastles and you will feel like it is nothing of merit and you don't have the architectural frame for it. So because you don't have the, the, the Frank Lloyd Wright blueprints, it can feel like you are playing pretend and that it is not real. The pursuit of it even isn't real. Right, right, yeah. And so in that moment, I would say, you're just gonna have to default to not what you feel, but that what you know. And that is room and need. Yes. Amen. Amen. I I can imagine there's so many people listening right now that are feeling freedom, you know, that that what they have um, in their heart, maybe what they never gave dignity and worth before, but have seen themselves doing, the freedom that comes with just creating it. That that, you know, walking into your calling. Is not walking into anything else that actually has never been done before and has to be created. That is, that is one of the most powerful permission slips I've ever heard. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I had to learn that because, you know what, how I learned that, because not one door would open up for me. There were years where I couldn't even get a job. No one would even hire me, and I'm not the least skilled person on this planet. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not the least intelligent person there is. But there was purpose in that. And I don't have to jump into all of the purpose of that. But what I do know is I was longing for a job that would make me feel validated and longing for a job that already had the structure and the created processes and things to make me feel more valid in my pursuits so that I felt like I was a part of something firm and real mm-hmm. and not just a part of making sandcastles in the sky. Yeah. And I think we all long for that, you know, um, that sense of validation. But when you're following something that is something you're creating, it doesn't exist. I really resonate with that, that sense of embarrassment, you know, like what, what are you doing? You know, how's that podcast thing going? Right. You know, I mean, I, I get it. I, I know that feeling, but that that's part of the bravery is keeping going through that. Yeah. And it's nobody. We've all heard this before, but it's so true. Nobody is going to be 
as caring and kind to your baby as you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't probably engage a lot of people. I think I used to engage people from a questioning standpoint or a standpoint of even asking for their feedback. I don't need your feedback. I don't need you to tell me that the Shea show is something that I should do or it's not great or it is good or because as long as I need your feedback, I give you the power to make it real or not real. Yeah, I do know what you mean. And I've never heard it put that way, that you're kind of offering up to someone else. Is this real? You know, is this, yeah, is this real? What do you think about my baby? Your baby is missing a toe. Right. Oh, right. Well, I thought I she notice. was perfect. You yeah. Know? So what I've learned is it doesn't mean that I keep a seat because you can't keep the secret of the thing that you, rec- if your thing is like as big as mine. So it's not that I'm talking about secrecy. It's talking about what type of engagement. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I'm simply just not engaging you from the point of approval. Yes. I'm engaging you from a very factual mm-hmm. point of what mm-hmm. I am doing. If I must. Yeah. <laughs> if I must. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that takes me to um, something else that I wanted to ask you about. You wrote about um, cats knowing cats. And ever since I read it, it has stuck with me. Can you tell us just about that, that beautiful, um, just that beautiful story or phrase in contrast to, to, to showing your baby to people, there's a different way of connecting that is, you know, meeting like-minded kindred spirits that spur you on. And they'll be drawn to you and you'll be drawn to them. So years ago, I had uh, gotten out of law school. I taught for two years at uh, North Country School in Lake Placid, New York, which was the first boarding school that I attended. You know, I, I'm I'm at this, but like, I don't know what the flip I'm doing with my life. You know what I mean? And the truth is, if I had what I have at 46, at 24, at 26, I would have been doing this wholeheartedly. And I would have been saying this, but I felt too ashamed to say this. So I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I come home to the Bahamas. My father's had several strokes. So I've resigned from being a teacher and I've gotten all my stuff from upstate New York and I brought it to um, Freeport Bahamas and, you know, and here I am um, helping my mother in the, the market. My mother is a professional clown and uh, she's in Port Lucayan. It's like the music and the beer and all, all the tourists. And that's where it all is. And she paints faces, light up things like that. And, and so I was going down there to just help my mom while I was just figuring out what am I going to do? And, and I paint faces and, and this older American guy, I then knew he was American. He walks by and he was very distinguished and he was by himself. And I remember seeing him and then he stops, turns around and he comes back over to where my mother and I are. And he starts talking to me. And let me be clear, he is not hitting on me. He's not like trying to chat it up. Yeah. He starts talking to me about the just creativity and brilliance. And then he just leans and he goes, so what you going to give to me? What you got? Give me some of what you got. And I was like, 
I was in the throes of like, I was probably writing one or two poems every day in like spoken word, like really honestly beautiful and deep um, that I still have. And, and I wanted to share because that's the thing what I feel. I feel my thing is my voice. I must. So I would probably be speaking into a black hole, not asking me any questions, you know? And so I start giving him a poem and he's like, yes. And he, oh, and he stopped. He's like, love that part. And then yes. Ooh. And then at the end I give him, he's like, yes, yes. And I just remember being like, can I just, why did you come over here? Because he's this, at the time, he was probably the age I am now. He's probably in his late 40s, early 50s. And he doesn't need anything that this clown, why did he stop for me? And I said, why did you stop and talk to me? And he tells me this story. He's from DC. And he said, years ago when he was in DC, he was walking across the street and there was this really renowned jazz musician and DC apparently is like that, how he described it. Like there are these major players in the music business that many of us won't know their names, but they're musicians, musicians, like people know them and admire them. And he sees this guy who I cannot recall his name, but I guess he's a big deal. And he sees him crossing the road and they pass each other. And as they're passing each other, he goes, Hey, the famous guy says to the, to the guy who's talking to me, Hey cat, I see you. Mm. And it touched his heart so much. And he was like, you see me? How did you know to see me? And he goes, and I'm going to tell you what he told me. He looked at me. He said, cats, no cats. And he said, I came over here because cats, no cats, baby. Cats, no cats. So it was a beautiful moment. And I believe he left shortly thereafter. He mm-hmm. just wanted me to mm-hmm. know that he saw me. And it was a time where I did not feel seen. So it also shows me that our calling and our purpose enshrouds us. It's over us. It's just kind of like up for us to acknowledge the blanket and start doing something with it. Shake that bad boy out. Yes. And that takes us to um, our last question, which I always ask everyone. You know, what is one event, person, experience? And I know there's many, and you've you've shared some some very powerful ones. But um, what is something that helped you become the Shay that we're speaking to today? You know, it really is my mother, and I know that almost sounds trite, but um, I've never seen a person have such singular focus of hope and belief, mm. and so my mother showed me what it, what it looked like. She didn't sit down and tell me my mother, she doesn't necessarily have these great pedagogical skills. She didn't know she was teaching me. Yeah, She was just living who she was Mm -hmm. and who she was and is, is a person who is extremely convicted that she is on this planet for a reason. And there's nothing or no one that's going to stop that. Mm -hmm. And she raised me with the pursuit of destiny. She raised me with the pursuit of knowing that it was mine to have. It was mine. It was meant for me. Nobody could take it from me because it wasn't theirs to give. It was mine. So 
the element now that I'm old enough to see how the years can erode your hope and your faith and how my mother refuses to let the years do that and kept and continues to do hard things with hope in her throat and feet. Yeah, she's been the singular greatest teacher of me keeping on, keeping on that I can even remotely touch and possess. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a powerful legacy. And I see it in you. I mean, I see that. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this time to answer this. Shay, it has just been, um, I think, one of the favorite conversations I've ever had. And I just feel so honored and grateful to be able to talk to you. And I still... um, I think I've had chills this entire conversation, just those, you know, those powerful insight chills. Um, So thank you for everything that you shared today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shay as much as I did. I hope that you leave this conversation full of light and courage. And I hope that you remember, like I'm going to try to remember, that if we are here, there is both need for you and there is room for you. Those powerful words from Shay, I hope, give us all the permission and the courage to go forward into doing whatever it is we are here to do. For more information about Shay and where to find her, we'll have everything linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit monicadecristina.com where you can sign up for my regular newsletter or follow along on Instagram. You can find me at monicadecristina. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Still Becoming wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you heard here today. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at SoundOn Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. soundoff.com.